1: Breaking news, grim milestones. The U.S. death toll passes 10,000 at the start of a week that the nation's top doctor says will feel like Pearl Harbor. And tonight, a scathing new government report says our hospitals face severe and widespread shortages of essential supplies.
2: This is an enemy that we have underestimated from day one, and we have paid the price dearly.
1: Tonight, we asked the Surgeon General if we are flattening the curve and which cities are America's next hotspots. Also breaking news, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson admitted to intensive care. His coronavirus symptoms worsening. Plus, the Queen makes a rare address to the nation, her message to the world. Disproportionately deadly. Alarming numbers out of several American cities tonight. Why in cities like Chicago, more than 70% of deaths are African-American patients. Navy mess. The acting Navy secretary tells the crew of the USS Theodore Roosevelt its former captain was stupid after raising the alarm about COVID-19 on the aircraft carrier. Getting America back to work. We go inside the effort to find people who've had the virus and may have an immunity that can reopen the U.S. economy. And tonight, from online sing-alongs to social distance dancing, how families are making the most of time spent at home.
3: This is the CBS Evening News
4: with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital.
1: Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news, and it is sobering. Tonight, more than 10,000 people have been killed by the coronavirus here in the U.S., and experts say we should brace for things to get even worse before the week is over. The toll of the virus is hard to fathom. Nearly half of the deaths in the U.S. are in New York, where space to store the bodies of victims is running out. New York City city is now considering temporarily burying them until the crisis is over. There is also breaking news tonight out of London, where the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who has the virus, has just been moved to the ICU. Worldwide, there are more than 1,331,000 confirmed cases, and about a quarter of those are right here in the U.S. Tonight, there are some signs the outbreak may be leveling off in the epicenter, New York state. But the governor there says even if the curve is flattening, hospitals are stretched thin, and he cautioned people not to let their guard or stop social distancing. There's a lot to get to and our team has every angle covered. Moelingi leads off our coverage tonight in New York City. Mola.
4: Well, there are some signs of hope, but as you mentioned, we are still expecting a very difficult and a very quickly developing week ahead. One example of that, the naval ship comfort. It was brought here to treat non-coronavirus patients. This afternoon, President Trump approved this medical ship to begin accepting coronavirus patients who are brought here. This as the hotspots nationwide intensify new york city's javits convention center is now a 2500 bed medical facility treating covid19 patients air force reserve brigadier general stacy skasebrick says more than 120 military medical personnel from across the country deployed to new york city within the past 48 hours
5: we're mobilizing uh, in the same way that we mobilized to go to war uh, we're getting people where they need to be to fight this virus so it's it's just like fighting any other enemy
4: at an overwhelmed hospital in Brooklyn these nurses are wearing homemade protection over their scrubs
5: It is about to
4: ICU nurse Shelly Kelly is on the front lines at the Field Hospital in Central Park after a grueling 12-hour shift this weekend she shared some sobering thoughts
5: I'm kind of feeling
6: like nothing I can do is enough for these patients here At one point, we had eight ambulances uh, lined up at the hospital to drop patients off.
4: But there are small, hopeful signs. The University of Washington has reduced its projected number of fatalities from more than 93,000 to less than 82,000. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says the death rate has remained flat for the past two days. Still, he had a stern warning for those who are flocking outdoors.
2: We underestimate this virus at our own peril. Now is not the time to slack off.
4: Other hot zones in the midst of their own battles include Detroit, where cases have tripled in the last nine days to more than 5,000. Chicago is approaching 5,000 cases. The next hot spots include Miami and Philadelphia. In Louisiana, COVID 19 cases have more than doubled since last Wednesday. Dr. Angela Cornelius is serving in New Orleans, part of a seven member volunteer team from Shreveport.
5: You know, there are people dying in our units that their family can't be here with them and so that's it's just
4: it's difficult it, I imagine.
5: it's difficult it's very difficult
4: the virus claimed the lives of 28 residents at this rehab center in Henrico County Virginia 88 additional residents have tested positive and are receiving treatment but there are some bright spots on Saturday at a Staten Island Hospital it was a tender moment when 47 year old Christina Paz a mother of five was discharged after a 15 day battle with COVID-19 and reunited with her husband. Well, the coroner in Jefferson Parish, just outside of New Orleans, tells me that they're running out of room. They've started storing bodies in a refrigerator truck and they're actually waiting on at least two to three more trucks to be delivered. Of course, as we know, that's something that hospitals here in New York City have also resorted to, Nora.
1: Mola, thank you. Tonight, with the rate of infection increasing in cities across America, there are alarming new statistics showing the pandemic is taking an especially heavy toll on minority communities. In Illinois alone, more than 40 percent of those who have died are African-Americans, even though only 15 percent of the population is Black. Adriana Diaz has more on these disturbing disparities. In the age of coronavirus,
5: funeral home doors are disinfected. While inside, services are led under a mask.
1: Deaf, deaf has no respect of age. It has no respect of color.
5: Today, Anthony Smith of Detroit was remembered. The first known mail handler to die from the virus. His co-worker, Brittany Crumpton. I don't want to go back to work because I am have anxiety about it really bad. Another public worker, Detroit bus driver Jason Hargrove, succumbed to the virus days after complaining about a woman coughing openly on his bus.
2: Man, y'all need to take this serious. It's folks dying.
5: Their cases are part of a grim trend. African Americans account for 41% of COVID deaths in Michigan, though only 14% of residents. In Chicago, black residents represent 72% of deaths, but just 30 percent of the population. Those numbers take your breath away. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. The distribution of this disease tells a story about resources uh, and inequality. Dr. Monica Peek studies health disparities at the University of Chicago Medicine. She says African-Americans are more likely to have underlying conditions and still be working.
6: the city um, puts out orders for people to shelter in place. The grocery stores are open. The public transit is still open. And the people that are working in those jobs are disproportionately um, racial and ethnic minorities.
5: Dr. Peak says both race and socioeconomic status are contributing to this trend. But since testing hasn't been comprehensive, public health officials warn that the real proportion of people of color being affected is likely higher.
1: Nora. All right, Adriana. Thank you. Tonight, this breaking news. Boris Johnson is the first head of state to be in intensive care because of coronavirus. The British prime minister tested positive 10 days ago and was admitted to a London hospital on Sunday for what were officially described as routine tests. Now, since then, British officials say his condition has worsened. Charlie Daggett is in London tonight. And Charlie, how serious is it?
7: Well, Nora, our Downing Street sources tell us tonight that the Prime Minister is conscious. He was given oxygen before he entered the ICU. At this hour, he has not been placed on a ventilator. They say this is a precautionary measure, but it's a definite sign that his condition is worsened. And this all happened over the course of just a few hours. Earlier today, Foreign Minister Dominic Robb said Boris Johnson was well enough to run the country.
8: He's still in hospital under observation. He's been given regular updates on developments, and he continues to lead the government.
7: Not anymore. Tonight, the PM handed over the reins to the foreign secretary himself. Johnson tested positive for COVID-19 just over 10 days ago, and has been self-isolating at home.
2: Although I'm feeling better, and I've done my my seven days of isolation, alas, I still have uh, one of the symptoms, a minor symptom of, I I still have a temperature.
7: That temperature was enough to prompt doctors to send the 55-year-old to the hospital last night for what a spokesperson described as a precautionary step and routine tests. News of the hospitalization came an hour after the Queen made a rare televised address rallying the nation.
1: We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again.
7: Prime Minister Johnson last appeared in public on his Downing Street doorstep on Thursday night to clap in support of British health care workers. Unaware then how personal that fight would become. Now, the prime minister has admitted to struggling with his weight, but he's not thought to have any other underlying health issues. His fiancée, who's pregnant, says she now has symptoms too. Nora
1: all right charlie from london tonight thank you and back here at home a new report from the inspector general for the department of health and human services finds a u.s. health system under extreme strain plagued by shortages and burned out medical professionals and that report is putting the white house on defensive we jing is there tonight Ouija.
6: Nora, we will get to that. But first, today, President Trump insisted that all 50 governors are happy with his administration's response and said, again, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But some of his own health experts say we're not even in the tunnel. And this week could be our Pearl Harbor or 9-11 moment. The administration's grim predictions have led to more criticism and left President Trump on the defensive.
2: The states seem to be very happy. If they're not, they can call me directly,
6: they can call Mike directly, and we'll make them happy. But tremendous progress has been made in a very short period. But a scathing new report reveals hospitals nationwide are already struggling with widespread shortages of critical equipment. One received two shipments of protective gear from FEMA that had expired 10 years ago. Another got a thousand masks, half of which were for children and unusable for adult staff. Hospitals, according to the report, are bracing for systems to be overwhelmed by the expected surge. New York is already there. We are into
2: uh, the plan B-C-D uh, that we outlined.
6: Tonight, Acting Navy Secretary Thomas Molly is fueling another controversy, his decision to fire the popular commanding officer of the USS Roosevelt, Captain Brett Crozier, for warning in a letter that the virus was spreading on board. In a leaked audio recording obtained by CBS News, Modley tears into Crozier, who has since tested positive himself. He was A, too
2: naive or too stupid to be the commanding officer of a ship like this. The alternate is that he did it on purpose.
6: Tonight, President Trump said that report about all those shortages is wrong and demanded to know the name of the HHS inspector general who put it together. He also revealed former Vice President Joe Biden called him to talk about the pandemic and described that conversation as warm and friendly. Nora.
1: Thank you, Ouija. Joining us now is the nation's top doctor, Surgeon General Jerome Adams. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Nora. We heard from New York's governor today that the data shows a possible flattening of the curve over the past few days. Does flattening mean that we'll soon see a decrease, or does it suggest there's a plateau in the cases?
3: Well, That is a great question, and it does not mean that we will soon see a decrease. Uh, But uh, we know that that everyone's going to be on a different curve. So this is the first glimmer of hope for New York, New Jersey. And uh, we hope that the trend continues. But it's going to mean that everyone has to keep doing their part.
1: Does that mean, if we're beginning to see the flattening of the curve, that we may not reach that projected number of some 100,000 deaths?
3: I am hopeful. That, uh, that we won't reach that peak and I'm, uh, I'm hopeful because uh, the projections that we have been working with were based on data from other countries. We're seeing more and more data come in from the United States and that's been forming these, these projections in a new and better way.
1: You said this is going to be the hardest and saddest week of most Americans' lives. I think more
3: Americans are starting to get it because they're hearing about loved ones, family members, friends who are, who are getting COVID-19, who are dying from COVID-19, and I'm no exception.
1: You see all of the data. Which cities are the next hotspots?
3: Well, we know New Orleans is, is not hit their peak yet. They're a hot spot. We know that Michigan is really struggling, particularly in the Detroit area. We know that Southern Florida, and I have talked with the governor there, uh, is, a, is a hot spot. And from a supply point of view, we sent a lot of our supplies and resources to New York. Once they hit their peak, they will be redeployed to other areas. And we ultimately can't afford to have 15, 20 30 hot spots at once because that could overwhelm our ability to be able to respond.
1: How soon could we have a therapeutic in the hands of our caregivers?
3: Well I've talked with uh, Dr. Fauci, and uh, he feels good that within weeks to months we will have efficacy data on therapeutics but I would actually push back just a little bit, Nora. I don't think that this epidemic is going to be ended. By a miracle drug or therapeutic, uh, you're not going to treat your way out of this problem. You're not going to supply or ventilate your way out of this problem. Uh, the way we get out of this problem is by lowering demand. It's by good old-fashioned public health. I don't want people to take their eyes off the fact that uh, that the most important thing right now is mitigation and social distancing and good hygiene.
1: Dr. Jerome Adams, our nation's surgeon general. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Nora. Tonight, the president says the government has done 1.7 million coronavirus tests, but now the CDC is conducting a different kind of test to find out who has recovered from COVID-19 without ever knowing they had it. And why is that important? Because health officials say that's the key to finding out who can go back to work. Here's Dr. John LePoucq.
8: Today, an ambitious testing program by the University of Miami began in South Florida. The goal to clear up the chaotic picture of just how widespread the virus is, helping some governments plan their response. The test looks for a person's antibodies, the proteins the immune system makes to attack the COVID-19 virus. It doesn't look for current infection. Instead, it detects who has had it in the past, whether they knew it or not.
0: This allows us to wrap our heads around the burden of local infection and how the curve may be changing
8: People with antibodies may have enough protection against the virus to consider getting back to work. They plan to test 3,500 randomly selected residents, invited by a phone call from Miami-Dade County Mayor Carlos Jimenez. I'm asking you today to participate in a groundbreaking program designed to determine how many people in Miami-Dade County have been exposed to this virus.
0: We don't only want individuals who think they've been sick. We want individuals who are asymptomatic. Do you think this kind of testing
8: should be ramped up to the whole country?
0: I think any kind of testing that could give us better insight into the burden of infection and the number of individuals who
1: are asymptomatic but infected is critically important.
8: Dr. John LaPook, CBS News, New York.
1: Half the world's population is now under orders to stay home, and some are using the quarantine to show off their talents to a global audience. Here's Jim Axelrod.
2: Lock the door, hit the
0: floor. It's the Family Lockdown Boogie.
2: We are all finding ways to get through this, like in New Zealand, where Jack Buchanan came up with Family Lockdown Boogie. Dancing queen in quarantine. In this battle against an enemy we can't see, we are using the weapon of what we can hear, not letting the need to stay apart Keep us from creating soul soothing sounds together. Why are you hitting me, oh, This unassuming what? British family shook happy. off the familiar lockdown oh, squabbling oh, yeah. by rewriting lyrics to a classic from Les Mis
1: Shopping for online
2: and became the royal family of quarantines.
5: Do I change my life?
2: The music is sparking social distance dance parties as well. From Wales, to the Greek islands, to Africa. All kinds of families, from sorority sisters to fathers and grown-up sons. are people need you. Discovering there is no better way to demonstrate resilience than by shaking off the COVID-19 cabin fever, one TikTok challenge at a time. Jim Axelrod, CBS News, Montclair, New
1: Jersey. (laughs) Oh, my God, who knew Dad had it in him? That's great. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, you know the saying, the show must go on. We'll show you how virtual theater is making that happen. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Stay safe, and I hope you have a good night.